Hi, friends. You're listening to episode 67 of the Bible Lab Podcast. You are listening to the Bible Lab Podcast, recorded before a very lively audience on the campus of Loma Linda University. Here's your host, Roy Ice. Hello, my friends. I am so excited to spend some time with you. And I just want to, before we go too far, just make sure that you know about our resources on our website called thebiblelab.com. Yeah, that's right. Just three W's dot thebiblelab.com. You can go to the episodes page. And on those episodes, you will see free Bible study guides. You can use them where you are with your loved ones in your churches, in your home, and in your community to help people understand this amazing God that is written about in Scripture. So just want to make sure you know about that. And also to go, if you haven't already, go to the episode for episode, uh, the episode page for episode nine of this study because you'll want to be able to see the questions, some of the commentary that I write on the study guide as well, because some of it we just don't always have time to cover. So definitely go to our website and check that out. Also, just want to let you know at the time of me recording this intro right here, we are just three days away from our amazing five-year anniversary. I can't believe it. I, five years ago, I didn't think that there would be people that would want to go on this journey with me this long. In fact, I even wondered at the beginning, to be honest, if we would have enough material. And quite frankly, what we found is we're still just barely scratching the surface because the Bible is so amazing when it describes this God whose love is beyond description. So thank you for going on this journey. Today we're going to be taking a look at Daniel chapter 9. And in Daniel chapter 9, one of the most amazing things comes to light. Because we typically focus on all the details, the 77s, and what does this mean, and how do we line it up on the calendar. But there are, there are a couple of things that are so much more important in this chapter that talk about God's character, and we're going to focus on those. I know by the end of you listening to this conversation, you're going to be changed because I was changed just going through this conversation myself with the people in Loma Linda's Bible Lab. And so I want to invite you to open up your Bible to Daniel chapter 9, and I want you to ask God, what does this say for you specifically? Because God has a message for you specifically in Daniel chapter 9 about how much God loves you and when he's going to answer your prayers. And I can't wait for you to discover it. Thanks so much for joining us and welcome to the Bible Lab. All right, we start out with the yes, no, and maybe section. So take out your yes, no, and maybe cards. I'm going to read through five statements. If you agree with the statement, raise a yes card. If you disagree, raise a no card. If you can't possibly commit, raise a purple maybe card. All right, you guys ready? Yeah. Yes, here we go. Number one, we're going to get judgy. Most of the people in this room could explain the basics of biblical prophecies. Most of the people in this room could explain the basics of biblical prophecies. Look at this. This is an amazing amazing thing, because I'm saying about 80, no, 75% yes. So give yourself a pat on the back, because people think you understand it. Now, I saw, I saw about 10% no, and I saw about 15% maybe. So don't pat yourself on the back too much, because um, 
although people think you can't explain it, um, if I were to bring you up front here and say, do it, um, we may have a different conversation. It's tough. It's tough because even the basics of prophecy seem fairly complex, don't they? We're going to see that a little bit today. Um, but ultimately, we're going to discuss what is God really trying to say during times of communication like this. So don't feel bad if you personally feel like you're one of the ones that could not explain the basics of prophecy because the, basic, the basics of prophecy are much less important. I would say they pale in comparison to understanding the basics of God's love. Okay? So the basics of prophecy, although they're important to help you understand that God can be trusted, that God has a perspective that sees the beginning, middle, and end, you could know all of that. You could know the intricate details of prophecy and still not have a relationship with God, okay? Which is the thing that saves you. And so don't feel too bad. Number two, my prayers typically take longer to get answered than other people's. Yes, no, or maybe. My prayers tend to think, whoa, we are all over. The, this is like a fruit salad I'm looking at because it's about a third, a third, and a third. Yes, no, and maybe all over here. So some people are having a tough time. Yeah, my prayers seem to take longer because I go to the Bible lab and the lady raises a comment card and says, I prayed in the very moment. Five minutes later, I got the phone call. I went to the mailbox and there was the envelope. And that's not me. Um, so we're all over the place, which means today's going to be really significant for all of us in understanding how God acts when you pray. Because one of the things that's missed in Daniel chapter 9, more than anything, because we want to jump ahead to, okay, what's the 77s all about? Because if we can understand 77s, then maybe I can prepare and be ready at the precise time that Jesus is, is going to get serious and stop judgment and he's, he's going he's to come. Um, when you see what chapter 9 says about what happens when you pray, I think we're all going to leave feeling really good today. So I can't wait to get to that part, which is typically skipped over in chapter 9. Number three, I agree with all of my church's interpretations of biblical prophecy. Oh, my word. I did not expect to see such a rebellious crowd today. Because I'm seeing about 65, almost 70% no, and I'm seeing a split, almost an even split between the yeses and maybes. I think part of the problem is those of you who've studied prophecy and studied also your church's doctrinal stance on prophecies, you understand that these things have changed over time. So the question is, when's it going to change again, our understanding or our interpretation of prophecy? I'm not belittling what we've tried to do in the past because we always need to try. But I think we also need to keep in mind that historically, in our best efforts, some things we've had to go back and take a look at again, edit the books, rewrite because as God progresses through time and history, he reveals himself more and more. And as we go through time, the exciting thing for us today, and uh, one of my favorite professors in seminary, John Dibdahl, his statement is, we have not learned all truths for all time. Which means, this is the good news for us today, 
we might learn something today. Could you imagine that? Telling your kids you learned something new today? We're still at a place where there's still stuff to be discovered. And those of you who've been on this journey with us on the Bible app for over four years, you realize, I learn something new every week. And those of you that think I'm brilliant, I didn't know this four days ago. So no, we're all on this journey. All truth has not been learned for all time. And today we're going we're gonna to even learn something new because God's going to impress upon our hearts. Look at this more closely. There's something that generation after generation has read through and they've missed this one part. Number four, even God's prophets don't really understand the visions they're given. Ah, oh, look at this, a sea of green, yes, yes. And we're going to see today that even Daniel himself, and I've, I've been searching for the right word all this week because it's, there's not a precise word. I use the term misunderstand. Uh, I use the, the word misinterpret. None of them fit because ultimately when we look today at what Daniel receives as interpretation a vision while he's in prayer. It's, yeah, he gets some of it. Yeah, you're right. It'd be the hardest thing for a teacher to grade his paper because, yeah, you're right, but yeah, you're wrong is what God has a message for Daniel today. Number five, God connects his truly connected leadership, excuse me, God corrects his truly connected leadership from misapplications of scripture. God corrects his truly connected leadership from misapplications of Scripture. Good. We are all over the place and more maybes than I've seen in a while. Okay, so it looked like the yes and no's were split and almost the same number of maybes were there, but just a fewer, a little bit fewer maybes than yes and no's. This is the tough part of chapter 9 that most people don't deal with. But we're going to deal with it today because it says more about God than us knowing correctly what are these 77s all about. And so today we're going to dive into Daniel chapter 9. If you have your Bibles, open them up to Daniel 9. You'll want to make some notes in your Bible. If not, if you're, if you're biblically impaired, look at the study guide and let's look at verses 1 through 4 of Daniel 9. The NIV reads this way. In the first year of Darius, the son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah, the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth, and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. We'll go more into that and we'll go more into the setting, but I want us to just get our minds, our emotions ready to feel similar to what Daniel was feeling. What was the emotional state that Daniel was in? So I, I want you to answer a question for me, so get your comment cards ready. What's the longest amount of time that you've had to wait for God to answer one of your prayers? And if you don't mind, what was that request? So how long did you have to wait for one of your prayers? Yes, Nancy. Um, a two-part answer to the prayer. I'll 
tell in 30 seconds because it just happened this week. Cool. Um, ten, 10 minutes and two hours, okay? Okay. So <laughs> we are novice campers. We camped our way across the country from Michigan here. And the second night, and with our two cats, <laughs> the second night of camping, a um, little warm in the camper, so we cracked open the window. Didn't, there is a screen there, but yeah. we, you know, didn't pay attention. It's late at night. Uh, woke up at 11.30, the screen was slid open, and both our cats were gone oh, at this no. campsite. So 11.30, we hopped out of the camper, started calling Rusty and Heidi, calling, calling, calling. Couldn't find them. After 10 minutes, we heard a meow. I said, Don, it's under, somebody's under somebody. Some cat <laughs> is under the Cats truck. Cats are people too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so he crawls under the truck at 11.30 at night, and there's some truckers walking around, you know, helping, yeah. looking. And he said, I don't see anything, but we'd hear a meow. Pretty soon he says, I see a tail and I see a foot. So he's dragging out, <laughs> and that was one cat, Rusty. So 10 minutes, oh, before this, as soon as we got out of the camper, we prayed together yeah, that yeah. God would help us find our kitties. Because I couldn't even imagine pulling away from that campsite in the morning without them. Hmm. So we found Rusty, put him back in the camper, made sure all the windows were shut. And then we called Heidi, the more shy of the two, for two hours. <laughs> so 1.30 in the morning, Don says, let's go take a little nap. We'll go find her later. So we got back in the camper, and, but we prayed again. You know where Heidi is. Please help us find her. This is after we looked at every bush, every tree, yeah. everything, all over the field, every place, nothing. No meows, no sightings, nothing. And so I went back in the camper, crawled in bed for a nap. He says, I'm going to try one more time. Out he goes. Pretty soon he runs back and he says, I think I hear a faint meow. Yeah. So we went out, 1.30 in the morning, and to the same place we had already looked. You know, and after prayer and everything, we went out. He's pushing aside the big, tall grass, the bushes, the brambles, the prickers. And sh we'd hear a meow every 30 seconds, but couldn't figure out in the dark and disoriented where it was. Finally, he found her crouched down, terrified under these bushes where we had already looked yeah. and we felt certain it was an answer to prayer i couldn't yeah. imagine leaving one or both kitties there at yeah. the campsite oh, and i thought i remembered that little song from sabbath school about he loves me too he loves me too i know he loves me too if god so loves the little pets i know he loves me too <laughs> <laughs> see and we just thought those were little crater roll songs little tiny tot songs it is amazing how he does care about that and christ himself said he you know he even cares about the sparrows that aren't pets you know sees them fall back here red microphone my experience um with prayer with the lord um it's been long i will be 90 on my next birthday and I have served the Lord since I was 16 years old. In my 
prayer life and relationship with Christ, sometimes he answered before I even ask it. I, yes. I need to be made aware. I already answered that prayer for you. Yeah. And other times it's immediately. But he gave me an experience that it could be a testimony of encouragement for parents that are here. Yeah. I had three children. I raised them in the Lord. I, raised, I sent them to church school, and we were um, converted from Catholicism. I was. My children were born in the Lord. And I sent them to church school, and it was a very legalistic Protestant church converted from Catholicism. Hmm. I didn't know the difference. It's the first church that I had gone to, the Protestant church. And I raised my children the way the Bible told me to. And this church, we would go to church seven days a week and three times on Sunday. And that's how I raised my kids. And at that generation, there was no preschool in church. There were no classes. They had to sit through everything. <laughs> And so I didn't like to leave them home when they grew up to be teenagers, so I they had to come. Yeah. Well, they came to church, they went to church school, they accepted the Lord and got baptized when they were teenagers, and I was so happy and so proud. And, but when they graduated from high school and had a job and had a car, and we're working, and they became, and said, okay, mom, we'll see you later. And of course, they all left and went to the, Lord, went to the world. Mm -hmm. The world was not kind to them, but I did not see them for 30 years of their adult life. Mm -hmm. But I praise the Lord today. This was the longest time that I prayed and prayed, Lord, why did you let them go? Lord, why they should be serving you? Because 15 years ago, all three of them came back to the Lord. Mm. And with uh, uh, being disciplined by the Lord and sorry that they lost that time with the Lord. And even they not only came back to the Lord, but one of them went to seminary and today, well, last month he was ordained as a minister, and today he's pastoring the church as assistant pastor. Yes, I love that, Olivia. Thank you so sure. much for sharing. 30 years of, uh, of praying, many, many people would feel at, at moments to give up. Imagine today Daniel praying for 70 years, because that's the situation we're in here in Daniel 9. Because in around 605 BC, Jeremiah writes, and it's right at the beginning of this captivity, the Babylonian captivity where Daniel, his three friends, and a bunch of others who were in line to be leadership of Israel, like princes of Israel, they're taken 70 years. Daniel's been praying for 70 years. And he's been going through especially one section of scripture in Jeremiah, which said, this is going to be 70 years in much the same way as the children of Israel when they're in the wilderness and the spies, the 12 spies had just come back. And two of them, 
Joshua and Caleb give a good report and says, we, we can do this, we can take it. But the 10 other spies say, no, 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 that's, we, can't, we can't do it. And they rebel and they try to stone uh, Moses and the leadership because they're upset that they would take them into danger. It was at that moment in the Exodus story that God lets them know at the beginning it's going to be 40 years. 40 years in the wilderness before you can take the journey that I originally planned for you. In the same way, God gives a message to Jeremiah at the very beginning when Daniel and his buddies are all taken to Babylon. God gives word to Jeremiah, it's going to be 70 years. So as Daniel's reading this and interpreting it in his mind, he says, this is it. Okay, if I start doing the calculations, which means if he was taken captive at age 15, let's say, if he was taken at age 15, he's around 85. Some of you can relate here today. Uh, And you know what it feels like to be praying from the time you're 15 to the time you're 85. It's time. It's coming up. And so that's the background that Daniel feels right now, is this is it. Many of you have felt as you've gone through your life, the events that are going on around you, and as you've looked at biblical prophecy, you're like, this has to be it. How much further can this get? Daniel's even more into this because he realizes he may be able to go home. This might be it. He's 85, but it's better to go home at 85 than not to go home during your lifetime. This is what's going through Daniel's mind. That's why he's so serious that he does some of the typical practices of his day, which when you're really serious about prayer, you not only kneel and say serious words, but you do things like fasting. Uh, You do things like putting on this really uncomfortable, itchy cloth called sackcloth. And you also put ashes on you to signify to God, this is a practice of their day, to signify to God, I'm really, really serious. Was it necessary? In our today's view of what God requires to know whether you're serious or not, it wasn't necessary. But in Daniel's day, it was to let people know, I'm serious. God, I am very serious about this prayer. I want to be uncomfortable so that you understand My prayer is not for my comfort. My prayer is truly to seek forgiveness, not just for me, but for Israel, because I know the reason why we went into captivity is we said, God, we don't need you. And so our curse was you just removing your blessing. And because of that, I want to say I'm sorry. Now, Daniel asked for forgiveness of his own sense, which tells you he wasn't perfect. So any of you who feel like, boy, but that was Daniel, that's not me. When I pray, God's not going to listen. Daniel prays for forgiveness for his own sense, which tells you he did not feel like some of the Pharisees of Jesus' day felt, that they were perfect, I haven't sinned, I, you know, I'm God's gift to God. Daniel asks forgiveness for his own sins and the sins of Israel because it's human nature to not be consistent and not be a really great relational partner, especially to a God who's long distance. And so he's in prayer begging God, is this it? Is this my chance to go back home? And that's the feel of where we are. Um, Please hear me. Daniel chapter 9 
is not so much about trying to help you know exactly what date something's going to happen and exactly what's going to take place in Daniel's future. The most important thing to God in Daniel 9 is communicating to his people, I have not given up, I will not give up, I will never give up on saving you. And if all of us as parents who I'm freaking out, my kids are, are, are still in grade school and, and high school, I'm freaking out about what's going to happen when they're on their own and I'm not in a position to tell them, go to church, have a relationship with God. Are you having devotions? Are you praying? Are, are you improving your spiritual walk every single day? Um, I'm scared to death now. And Sharon says, don't freak out, man. And I love that. Because that's what Daniel 9 is about. Because Daniel is in a, in a, this, he's worked himself up. And God comes. We're going to see why God comes. But ultimately, before we even dive in, I'm giving you a sneak peek. Chapter 9 is about God saying, I'm never giving up on you. Because if you want to have contact with me, I will have contact with you. That's the most important thing of Daniel 9. Purple Mike, Rod. Betsy and I have been praying for our brothers. Mm. And so we just go, has that been answered yet? It has not. Yeah. And yeah. I think the thing to, that we need to say is, God, you haven't given up. Yes. Help us not to give up. Yes, absolutely. I love that, Rod. Blue Mike, over here. My question is, does Daniel know the concept of heaven or Jerusalem is home, like a heaven for them? Because I remember the disciples think the kingdom of Christ will be in this earth. Yes. So do they have the concept of heaven? That's a great question. Many commentators discuss the fact that at this period of time, the Jews were still developing their concept of heaven. Many of the Jews had a real struggle with combining views of the afterlife that had been ingrained into their spiritual DNA. Many of them, uh, because they had come from Egypt, 450 years in Egypt under captivity, had in many ways adopted the view of the afterlife of the Egyptian theology. That's why they even created in their own parable stories, stories that reflected the Psy Osiris stories, which you, you might not recognize it from that name, but you will recognize it from uh, the uh, rich man and Lazarus story that Jesus told, which is a story that existed. Jesus didn't create that story, but it's the story of a person from uh, heaven speaking to a person in hell. Um, that actually came from Egyptian theology this whole conversation, Psy and Osiris having these conversations back and forth. Jesus twists it on his head basically to explain that it doesn't matter even if someone came back from the dead. You're not, you didn't listen to the prophets, you're not going to listen to me today. So in many ways, they were still developing their theology of the afterlife. In fact, you can also see, and this is once again, you know, about 580 some odd years to the time of Christ, almost 600 years to the time when he's preaching, when um, the Jews are still asking Jesus a question. Who sinned that this man was born blind? 
he or his parents, which to us, they were like, how could a baby sin? Yeah, they may have annoyed us when they cried, but how can a baby sin? Um, it's because the Jews, even in Christ's day, were struggling with thoughts of the afterlife. Is there such a thing as reincarnation? And so at the time of Daniel, just understand their, their understanding of heaven um, was not what we have today. But their greatest concern, and you'll see in the prayer of Daniel in chapter 9, his greatest concern is not heaven. His greatest concern is God's reputation. Because he keeps saying, your name is connected to Israel. And look how people are viewing you because your city's in, in rumble. Your temple is destroyed. Your people have basically abandoned worship there in your temple, and it bears your name. And so Daniel's greatest concern during this prayer, and I hope you do read through it, um, at the first uh, half of Daniel 9, is, is more about God's reputation than Daniel's chance at salvation. So what Daniel is really praying, for the most part, in the first part of Daniel 9, is God, how can you restore your people, your temple, and your name? And so his great concern, our great concern today is, God, am I good enough to go to heaven? Uh, and that's what our theology, unfortunately, the last about five or six generations have really led us into being mostly concerned with self rather than being concerned with the reputation of God's character. And so um, in Daniel's day, they, because they did not have the fully developed view of life after death, um, although there is, that there is uh, evidence that they did believe in life after death, um, it's not what we view today, and I hope, hope that answered your question. All right, I think, is it the purple mic or the red mic next? The red mic? Okay. I'm going to go back to kindergarten, just as my sister down the way did. Um, there's a text that was put to music, and it's Isaiah 65, 24. Before they call, I will answer. Yes. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. That's yes. not just for Daniel, that's for all of us. Absolutely. And Sharon, you've always been a person ahead of your time, but you're about 15 minutes ahead of your time today because that's, that's where we're going today. Because we're going to see in this story, this is the biggest thing about God's character. We think the big thing is God reveals the future. Now, that's, that's great. I mean, it's really impressive. But the most impressive thing is, when does God act? Is it after Daniel has proven that he's really, really sorry? Because we do this. We try to make sure God knows we're really, really sorry, and we start making commitments. I'll go, I'll be a missionary in the Congo. Whatever you need, God, just change reality. Um, and it's really important when you see, when does God act? Is it after you do that, or is it before you do that? And we're going to get to that in just a couple minutes. Jay, you have a question. Purple mic. Yeah, kind of resonate with what you were saying. And the, the question is, why do we focus so much on a uh, sort of narcissistic form of religion? Why do we sing at the end of our evangelistic series that focus on prophecy? Am I ready for Jesus to come? not is my community ready for yes. jesus to come yeah is my neighbor is my world ready for jesus to yeah. come why am am i ready for jesus to come 
Yeah, you're, Jay, you're speaking to one of my theological pet peeves, which is when we look at in-day events, most people ask the question, is, is now the time or when will I know when it's time to run to the hills? And I hate that because I say if you're a true believer, uh, you wouldn't be running to the hills um, because running to the hills is running away from people who need to be saved. Um, and if your question is, and I don't mean to offend, um, the problem is we get ingrained because we hear the same question over and over, so we think that's the question we should be asking. But the question we should be asking should never be, when's it time for me to save myself? You're already saved. You're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. So, hey, put me out of my misery. But if, if I'm going to go, I want to be doing the Lord's work. I don't want to be doing my work to make sure I'm safe. And by the way, there's so much technology, you, you won't be hiding long, okay? <laughs> Infrared will find you, okay? Um, yeah. So instead of self-preservation, we, we have to look at community salvation uh, because that's what God's called us to do. So the more we're asking the question, is now the time that I need to prepare? Am I ready? Uh, the problem is we also theologically get into a place to I'm not good enough. Who am I to, to speak? Well, even the prophet said that. You know, who, who am I to, to speak on your behalf? And God has to give visions of, you know, cleansing with coals on the lips and saying, you know, go. And it's when they say, here I am, send me, that God says, perfect, that's what I want you to do. So God doesn't need you perfect, he needs you present. Okay, so this whole thing about end time events being scary, it does sell. It does help you sign on the bottom line. But fear is, is only a quick motivator. But you also have to understand fear is the fastest cooling off period. Um, and so if you sign on the bottom line because of fear, you're also going to find yourself in this huge roller coaster of feeling like I'm always falling away. I'm falling away from my relationship with God. So... We have to avoid that like the plague. Let's look at the next couple of verses here because this gets to what Sharon said, and I want to make sure that I keep up with Sharon, a woman ahead of her time. <laughs> Daniel chapter 9, verse 20 through 23. And by the way, please read verses 5 through 19. It's probably one of the best models of prayer in all of Scripture. In fact, theologians say that this prayer itself has been used by many church leaders from the time of Daniel up to the time of Christ as a model of what perfect prayer should look like. And so as you read through that, maybe this afternoon or during the week, maybe read through it several times during your devotional time, uh, see how this prayer is a relationship between someone who understands his place and understands God's place, but also understands God. And so please read through that on your own. But I want you to see something that's typically jumped over as people read through Daniel 9, 20 to 23, because by the time we get to 24, that's what everyone wants to talk about. But let's take a look at verse 20. Daniel says, While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. Let me just back up just a couple of bits of info here. First of all, while he was speaking means 
God didn't let him say amen. God interrupts your prayers sometimes. So don't think you have to have this formulaic thing. God will come when you finish your request. Daniel says, I'm in the midst of request and I'm interrupted. I had more to pray for. And God says, beg pardon. God has a message for you. So even in the midst of your prayer, have an expectation in your mind while you are praying that God wants to have a dialogue with you. That's one of the things I I really try coaching a lot of people in prayer because they think prayer is you talking to God. Prayer is not simply you talking to God, it's God speaking back. And what I tell people is in your prayers, yes, you have requests for God, but you always have to have an expectation that he will interrupt you because God has prayer requests too. And his prayer requests are things he needs you to do. There are people he, need, he needs you to interact with who aren't in a prayerful mindset, who won't hear God's voice, but they can hear yours. There are people who won't notice the hand of God moving in their lives, but he can use your hands to move in their life and they'll notice. So God has prayer requests too. Expect in your prayer time that God will interrupt you. There are people today in the more conservative view of church today who say that it's dangerous to listen during prayer. And I say it's more dangerous to not because God has prayer requests for you too. So expect in your prayer that God will interrupt you because this is a consistent behavior that God has. Also, Gabriel, this is the second time in all of scripture his name is mentioned. The first time was last week, the previous vision. So this is, this is really cool that unknown angels now are becoming known. And this name Gabriel means mighty warrior of God or mighty man of God who comes. God sends the strong guys, okay? He sends the mighty ones. And so Gabriel is this messenger angel that comes. Verse, uh, oh, an evening sacrifice. Many theologians say that this is, added in in Daniel's writing, not because Daniel was able to do these sacrifices, but showing that Daniel, even though it's been 70 years when they haven't been able to show sacrifice, that Daniel still honored and prayed during that time, which is about three to four o'clock in the afternoon. And Daniel is his way of saying, I haven't forgotten. This is the time. So I pray during that time because I can't bring a sacrifice. I bring my prayer which once again tells us you can make all the excuses for not doing something in your spiritual walk, but there's always something you can do. And so even at times like COVID, might I venture into, you can still do something if you can't do what you're normally used to doing in church. Verse 22, he, this is Gabriel, instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. Hopefully we have time to unpack that. Verse 23, pivotal, pivotal verse in chapter 9. Verse 23, as soon as you begin to pray, a word went out, which I've come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. So we get to read what Daniel was, pr- was praying. We get to see where he's interrupted. 
But the cool thing in verse 23, as soon as he began to pray, in other words, dear God, boom, the message came. A word went out means that God spoke. God said, Gabriel, send this message to Daniel. He shares the message, which is about, this is a beautiful thing, about the same amount as the time of prayer. So you see, why did he interrupt there? Well, God's explaining to Gabriel, say this. Gabriel comes, but the beautiful thing is, and we know this from Scripture, Sharon shared it just a moment ago. Even before we ask, he knows. So even in your prayers, if you're worried about doing it right, do I say it right, am I, am I the right? God knows your heart. That's a beautiful thing. So even before you begin to pray, God's like, yeah, great, that's nice. I'd love to hear it, but the fact is, I know your heart. And so I'm going to send you a message at just the right time. Green microphone over here. I raised my hand um, when we were just kind of in the last section. Perfect. Let's go back. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> I've born, raised Adventist, and um, have been on a bit of a journey where many times the way that I was raised, we were I was raised to kind of look for my salvation, right, and yeah. and kind of this escapist yeah. um, vision of if I do everything right, then I'm going to get out of here and go to heaven. Yeah. And really looking at what Jesus talked about, the kingdom of God is here and to come. Yes. It arrived and is here, and we can enter into the kingdom of God yeah. here and now, and it is to come. It's, it's, it's both. Yes. And, um, and I think that what you mentioned about God's prayer requests are him actually trying to tap us on the shoulder and say, um, the kingdom that you should be living in right now, I need you to do this for the kingdom. Yes. Here. Absolutely. Now, we don't have to wait till we get to heaven to be in the presence of God. And my question to people is always, well, what is heaven? Because some people will describe heaven as a place where you can water ski on the back of dolphins or slide down the neck of a giraffe. I'm like, how many times are you going to do that? That poor giraffe. I think all bad giraffes are sent to heaven. <laughs> I have to endure that for eternity. Um, I learned that in my own life, and that's why I think what you just said is so profound. Uh, once I stopped waiting for God, when are you going to come? Because my life stinks. God, when are you going to come? Because my heart is broken. My relationships are broken. My, you know, my finances are broken. That's why we call it, you're broke. Um, and and this, this never-ending, your thoughts living in the future, this unknown future and we focus on this word soon and we get so disappointed when soon is not today or yesterday the moment that changed for me personally and i very rarely do this uh, but i want to share today the moment it changed to where i realized heaven to come can be heaven now if i understand heaven to come is my opportunity to dwell in the presence of god that's when everything changed for me. And I went from being broke to being alive, to loving life now, to understanding how many people live 
in a living hell that I can easily take them by the hand and walk them step by step into a living heaven today. The, the fact is, we talked about, you know, going through e- even something like losing your cats. How do people today go through that or go through a funeral, the loss of a loved one, the loss of stuff without truly understanding that God's presence can be with them now and help them now, internally and externally? How do people go through life without knowing that God is here and he cares and he's, he's actively helping you? I don't know how the world goes through life that way. That to me is a living hell, separation from God. And so I feel like what you said is profound. Green, green microphone. Yes, um, God cares. I agree with you, Pastor. Um, one day I was in a hurry to leave the house and suddenly I heard this explosion. And I'm like, oh, what's happening? And I, I know I was trying to get out of the house because I was, I was going to go somewhere. And I remember putting the keys in the table in the, table in the kitchen. And I'm like, I heard this sound, horrible sound, and I'm trying to get out of the house. And suddenly, uh, I, I go to the kitchen. I'm looking for the keys of the car, and I can't see them. I'm like, where did I leave the keys? I thought I put them here. <laughs> so I go upstairs. I go down. I'm in a hurry. I got to go. And I'm like, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know. I got I to gotta go. And, and so when, when I heard that big sound, I go everywhere. Like, where? What happened? I go to the garage. The garage door had collapsed. This 800-pound you know, door, so heavy. If I had left at the moment that I thought I had to leave, that door would have collapsed on my car or something yeah. really bad could have happened. But God cared. He knew. And then when I when I went and I checked that the, this would happen, I went back to the kitchen. There were the keys. I saw them. So God blinded me, I would say, for a moment, right? Because he's, he was thinking about me. He loves yeah. me. Wow. He loves us. What a testimony. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. God cares about things that the rest of the world would look at and say, it would even say that's insignificant. What happened with you is significant, but I'm getting now to the place to where I realize, why am I always trying to do everything on my own? Because at the beginning of my prayer, God wants to give me an answer. Uh, And literally this week, my testimony this week is I'm talking to one of my producers. We're, we're starting a, a new podcast. We got to start recording in January. She has to be able to tell them the name of the show and, and what it's all about. And I'm like, uh, and I, I'm trying to figure out, hang up the phone. And right when I say, hey, God, I want, like, literally, it doesn't get out of my mouth. Boom, the title and, and the block of text comes. That wasn't from me. And I don't use that flippantly, by the way, because I really am allergic to people to say, God spoke to me and said, but in the moment, I had no idea. It came out of nowhere. I'm like, thanks, God. You are good. This is exactly what it needs to be. Um, so on the scope of things, that's really insignificant compared to some of the prayers that are going on here in the Bible app, where it's some of this life and death stuff. Some of it is, is terminal illness prayer. Some of it is your family and eternal life issues, and yet God cares for all of it. He does not in any way say, this is more important than that, so I'm going to answer this and not that. 
God says, I want to be involved in all parts of your life. In fact, today, (laughs) he's dealing with Daniel. Daniel has this view of Jeremiah, and he's so excited about this view. But the angel comes in, and that's why I'm saying I really don't have a good word for it. Because Daniel was right, but in some ways, he's applying this vision to Jeremiah in a way that undoes some of the visions that God has already given to Daniel about what's to come, what's, what's, you know, what's going to happen to the nation of Israel, who's going to rule over Israel. And so in some ways, Daniel's really focused on these 70s, and God comes in and he says, well, these 70s are good, but can I talk to you about some different 70s? Because you're so focused on this, you're kind of misinterpreting what's going to happen in the future. Let me talk to you about the 77s. And so from that moment on, Gabriel comes in and he says, now, let me explain to you what's going to take place. Because you're all worried about today. God's worried about the big picture. God's worried about the church. We're worried about the individual. Just like we talked about before, if your focus is on self-preservation in the end time, you're always going to miss what God is wanting you to know. And so God redirects Daniel at this moment and says, you're concerned about yourself and whether you're going to get to go home now. Let me tell you what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned about the church and will they ever come home to me? And so he goes through this prophecy, which by the way, um, if you ever want my notes, uh, you can always email me. I'll send them to you. I have 46 pages this week. As I went through this prophecy, because I know several of you here, you're history buffs and I love you. Because you're looking at, okay, where does this match up? Let me just uh, help you understand. Theologians who are brilliant. These guys are, are just like super word nerds. They're super history nerds. They just know the stuff. These guys argue about this. There are four major interpretations of where do the 77s or 70 weeks, which in prophecy means... Each day equals a year, so 490 years. In these 490 years, where does it fit? The the elements that are spoken of here toward the end of Daniel 9, how do they fit? And there's four major different interpretations. And one of the frustrations I had, because I'm curious, I want to know which one's the best. Every single one of them, I'd be like, oh yeah, that's good. And then say, but the major problem with this one is, and the major challenge with this one is, So there's four major ones, and then there's two others. And they will go as far as saying, look, this covers what Daniel just saw. Remember, we just looked at Antiochus IV Epiphanes, the guy who said, you know, his God manifest in this whole Greek period. Some people see it culminating in the Greek period, and that's where the end of it ends up. Other people see it ending up with Jesus Christ coming. The challenge there is it speaks of, you know, the, the person dying in the middle of the last week, but then it goes on to say some negative characteristics about him, which you wouldn't say about Jesus. So there's challenges there. And you go through it, each one has a challenge. And then there are even ones that, even within this denomination of use, called the gap theory, where that last week, they say, well, it's kind of floating. That's going to end up being the very last seven years of time. And that's why some of you growing up with, with charts of the timelines, you saw that right after the... Um, Sunday, National Sunday Law, and close of probation, then there's this seven years of tribulation. They've gotten it from here. But there's a challenge with that too. So 
I think as I went through, what does everything match up? What, it, what does it fit? The most important thing kept screaming back at me as I prayed through this and spent the hours preparing for this conversation. What's the most important thing? Having the right interpretation of where the, each week or each of the sevens end up or understanding that God comes in at times of transition. Because when did this take place? The first year of King Darius or Governor Darius, however you translate that. Once again, it's a transition year. It's a time when Daniel's saying, I get to go home. God's saying, oh, let me help you understand. It's, it's the same as my major theology professor taught me in, in college when I came to him and I said, look, how do you, how do you preach and help people at a time when we're all saying this is the last days and yet you don't make the same mistakes that people in generations past have who've sold everything and then ended up with no retirement and now people have to care for them and, and, and do all that. How do you do that in a time that we call the last days? And he says, well, first of all, he says, I want you to understand that I live my personal life spiritually in that I always have my bag packed. If Jesus were to come today, bag packed, I'm ready to go. But I also invest in the future because it may not be tomorrow, it may not be in my lifetime, but I have to invest in the future. And by investing in the future, I'm, I'm spending this time investing in the people around me and helping them understand who God is because that's what's going to save them as a relationship with God. And so as you look at this, there are elements in Daniel 9 where it shows Daniel spent a considerable amount of time confessing his and Israel's sins. While he was still in prayer, Daniel was interrupted. He came in swift flight, and there's debate over this phrase because we say came in swift flight, and the same words are used uh, to make one weary in those that translate the Bible don't know whether it's talking about Daniel because they couldn't imagine an angel being weary. But if it is about the angel, it means God says, I don't care how fast and hard you have to fly, you get there now and tell Daniel that I care about him and I want him to hang on because he's about to have a great disappointment. So hang on. So whether God told Gabriel to run his marathon, and it doesn't matter how tired you are, you go all out. That's a beautiful picture of God. Second, if it's about Daniel, it means God comes when you're exhausted. Because Daniel had made himself weary, and many of you might have made yourself weary this week with all the cares of the world. And it's in those times, Scripture says, the word is Gabriel touched Daniel. And in the same way that he touched Daniel in the previous vision, gave him strength to stand, God can touch you today and give you strength to stand no matter how exhausted you are. Because the most important thing to God is at the beginning of your prayer. Not at the end when you've said it all poetic and you've said it all perfect and you've listed every single sin by name. It's at the beginning of your prayer that God wants to come swiftly it doesn't matter how exhausted his messenger is, he wants them to come now. And no matter how exhausted you are, God wants to touch you and to bring you strength. Let's take courage with that this week. 
Well, I'm encouraged by that, and I hope you are as well. Isn't it reassuring to know that we serve a God who loves us so much that he is very much unlike the God that's been represented for generations and generations, a, a God who's angry, a God who just wants his own way. And yet here we've seen such a beautiful picture of a God who absolutely will drop everything and at the beginning of your prayer come to you. And I want you to take courage with that today. God's running to you right now and he has a message for you as well. He's got a great message for you also this next episode because in session 10, we're going to go through Daniel chapter 10. And I'll tell you, in all my 28 and a half years of the theological service, I have never come across what I found in chapter 10. It stopped me in my tracks because it talked about an area that I'm typically uncomfortable talking about. And that area is spiritual warfare. What's going on behind the curtain that we can't see, the spiritual battle of good versus evil. And I can't wait to unpack that with you. So I hope you come back for episode 10 while we look at the battle for you. Thank you for listening to the Bible Lab podcast. If you're planning a trip to Southern California, make sure to reserve your VIP seats and the Bible Lab by emailing us at info at thebiblelab.com. Programs are recorded each Saturday at 10.30 a.m. We hope to see you soon. Until then, we wish you God's richest blessings as you continue to research and develop the character of God.